Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Anybody exhausted after that? Anybody need to check their blood pressure? Yeah. Anybody need a, a tissue? All right. Anybody excited for Victor right there on the keys? Yes, good job, buddy. All right. Well, guys, grab your Bibles, uh, open them to the Gospel of Matthew. I'm actually going to be a lot of places throughout the Scripture. Last week, we kind of camped in, in uh, uh, Psalm 147. Um, this week, we're, we're camping on a concept that is uh, spread throughout the entire Bible, okay? And so I, I want to encourage you uh, right now to, as you open your Bibles, open your hearts to the, what the, your Bibles say. Um, that is so important. You can read the Bible all you want, but unless your heart is open to what it actually says, uh, it's just an exercise, right? Um, so, uh, so, so, Lord, I would just pray that our hearts would be wide open to your word and that your word would uh, be planted in us and it would go down deep and be watered and tended well and then would produce fruit that brings Jesus' glory with our lives, God. That's what we ask and that's what, that's what we pray, that you would, you would stun us by your goodness, God, and that you would do a good work in us now, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Guys, the reason that uh, I, I'm asking you to open your, uh, your hearts uh, this morning is because uh, I wanna talk about something that's really tender and something that, that's really uh, a specific, uh, something that is uh, uh, painful, because I actually wanna talk about pain. Um, I wanna talk about what is going on in our world right now um, as far as uh, so much uh, division going on. Um, th- does anybody know that if, we've ever, if the world has ever needed reconciliation through Jesus, it is today, anybody? Um, this is, this is, I have to say, uh, this morning, I'm, uh, I'm talking broken. I, I'm not, I'm not angry at all. I'm, I'm really hurt because I really uh, see a church that does way better than we're doing in this area. Um, I, uh, I had a, a, a dog when I was a little kid. God's, God's speaking to me through dogs. I don't know why, guys. It's, it's just a season, okay? And I've got three illustrations this morning about, about dogs, all right? I, I don't know why, all right? But just go with me. But uh, the, I, I had a dog when I was a little kid that was obsessed with me, and even when I would ride my bike, his name was Toby, he would run right next to me, and he'd bark at me all happily. Even when I was on my bike, he wanted to be in my arms, and one day he got too close to my bike, and I ran over him, all right? He, he got knocked out, and I was crying, uh, and I carried him back, limp to, to my mother, and he's bleeding out of his nose, and, uh, and, and we, we prayed for him, and he snapped back, and guess what? He didn't hate me after he snapped back. He went right back to wanting me, all right? I, uh, the, uh, the other day for our, our family dog that we have right now, um, we, he, uh, we've got a dog named Champ who's a golden doodle, and he loves people so much that he freaks out when he's around them. And, uh, and he, he wouldn't hurt a fly, but he's big enough to hurt children accidentally, you know, and, and small uh, adults. And uh, he, he, he goes, he literally loses his mind. He's the kind of dog we've trained him to sit and not eat or drink before we snap our fingers and tell him he can. But when other people come, he wants them so bad, he, he, he turns uh, insane, like me around Stromboli, okay? That's more, that's kind of like it is. Uh, and so, so we had to get this, like, shock collar for him just to stun him 
him in, back into the realm of uh, reality. And uh, I know some of us don't uh, uh, believe in those things, but it's either get rid of the dog or shock him till he gets it, okay? And so when I got, when I strapped the shock collar on the dog, not, reala- not realizing it's on, then I take the receiver and I'm trying to figure out how it works with a dog about 10 feet away, and I'm just destroying this dog and, and don't know it. And I'm like, what is this button doing? The dog's just, ah, uh, uh. <laughs> and, uh, and so I probably shocked him for 15 minutes, not knowing it. The dog, you know, uh, also went unconscious. Uh, and then when he came to, he went right back to loving me. Guys, listen to this. I am, I am confused on how dogs walk in kingdom forgiveness more than the church. I, I, I'm, I'm very confused. Jesus didn't descend heaven's throne and pay for animals. He paid for image bearers. And the cross speaks a better word of reconciliation than, than, than animals do. Do you hear this? I, I don't understand why dogs can remind me more of Jesus than image bearing supposed Christians. I do not get this, guys. I really do not get this. I don't understand how we draw lines in the sand when the only line Jesus ever drew in the sand was, whoever has never sinned, throw the first stone. I don't get this. I don't get this. And so this morning, I want to talk about biblical reconciliation, and I want to address the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is that, that Providence is about 800 people before COVID, not 300. And there's been a lot of people leaving and I don't know if you heard this, but the pastor does hear stuff that is conversations that are going on behind the scenes. And I just want to let you know that I'm hearing what's being said. Um, and I want to talk about them. I want Providence to be a safe place for people, not the kind of place where you have to worry about what's being said about you behind the scenes. That is not how the church is supposed to operate. It is impossible to do family uh, safely. It is impossible to do family safely. That someone is going to get hurt. And the Bible doesn't guard us from the pain. The Bible guards us from the fallout of people operating in unhealth once they get hurt. Do you get this? Um, My family before kids was tranquil. (laughs) Me and my wife. What do you want to do? Kiss. Sounds great. (laughs) Right? What do you want to do? I don't know. You want to go out to eat? Sure. Sounds great. And then August 30th, 2000, I think seven comes around and Ethan is born. Today's his birthday. Yeah. Yes. He's 14 years old today. He's 14 years old today. So Providence has kind of been growing, and Ethan and Providence are, are almost the same age. We're about to celebrate 13 years, uh, October 27th here at Providence. So Ethan is about a year older than, than Providence. But I tell you what, when Ethan was born, he sure did look different than he does now. <laughs> a lot of people were worried about, hey, hey, why does Providence look different? Because we're 13, we're hairier? We're more mature, I hope? We're, di- we're, we're looking different because we're growing. Do you see, is Ethan over here? Just stand up just for one second, then you can sit right back down. Just stand just for a second. There he is. <laughs> Hello. I try to hold him like a baby because I'd like to keep him there. 
<laughs> but uh, he actually just whooped my butt in one-on-one -on -one basketball the other day. And I promised Ethan, this is like a rite of passage, uh, that I promise you I will not let you win from here on out. And he beat me convincingly, convincingly the other day. So that's it. He's becoming a man, my friend, smelling like one, eating like one. <laughs> the, the guys, stuff changes and changes good when it means growth, okay? So I want to talk about not freaking out when, when babies grow, all right? And in the church, the way we freak out is with something called slander and gossip when we get hurt. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says to the church, I appeal to you, brothers, that there be no division among you, that you be united. This is the heartbeat of leadership in the church, that we actually appeal to brothers and sisters that we wouldn't be divided when we get hurt, but we would use that pain to actually grow and be united. That is the heartbeat of, of, uh, of God and the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25, uh, that Paul was saying that there may be no division in the body. This is in the context of Paul saying there's lots of differences in the church, but you need to see yourself as a body, not an individual, going after your own stuff. You need to be a, a, a body member. And this is the passage where it says, why would a hand ever say to a foot, I don't need you? Why would an eye ever say to an ear, I don't need you? We're all different, but we're a body, and our differences make us beautiful, guys. Proverbs chapter 6, though, says this. God hates some stuff. Did you know this, that this God of love actually hates a few things, seven things in particular? And one of those seven things he hates is when there's division in his house. The Bible says a house divided can't stand. And the way that you divide a house is, is, is with words. That just like the word of God would, in us, would get in us and produce fruit, there are words that are not from God that get in us and grow into weeds. Jesus is, the, the, I heard a pastor say this in, in this day, I think it was, it was a word from God to me, that Jesus is not looking to take sides, he's looking to take over. Because God, sides, schmides, who in the world cares about a side? There's, there's one, we, we're not on sides, we're after a man named Jesus. So the big question is, what does Jesus say? What does Jesus think? What is Jesus calling us to do? And that's the kind of church I want to lead. You know what? I have led too much in the past like a CEO over an organization. If, and if there's anything changing at Providence, it's that I refuse to build a machine. I want to build a people. I want to build a family. I want, I want, to, I want, to, I want to be, be a father in a family and, and actually be a family that does got good business, not be a business that tries to feel like a family. They're two completely different paradigms. And the Bible actually calls us not to build machines, but to build people and to build family. So I, let's, let's jump in. Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 23, going to verse 24, says this. I'm reading out the English Standard Version in case they're not lining up. Same heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. So if you, if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. 
So if you were offering your gift at the altar, that would be called worship. And there, remember that your brother has something against you that would be a need for reconciliation. Leave, here's what, here's what the Bible says. Here's what Jesus says. You don't know what to do? You know, the, the God who doesn't take sides, he takes over? You know what following him and he being the Lord of your life means? It means that if this situation happens to you, leave your worship before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Let me say a few things about this passage biblically that sets up a theology for reconciliation. Number one, reconciliation is about family. It's not about friendship, okay? Um, I've heard too much that I don't need to reconcile because we were never friends. Let's go to the Bible on that one. So if you're offering your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother, that your brother has something against you. Not your friend, not your acquaintance, not your homeboy, not your homegirl, not your home anything. If you're offering, if you're in worship, and there remember, and there in that, in that context, remember that your brother has something against you. Listen, you know why a theology of family in the church is so important? Because it is the basis for how we operate. And here it does not, the Bible does not teach that you must first be a friend. And if you are friends, then you reconcile. The, the Bible says that if you belong to the family of God through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, that means that you're brothers and sisters. That means that you're family. That means that reconciliation is mandatory, not if you feel like it. Not if you were friends. Reconciliation is about family, not friendship. It's about brothers and sisters not having grievances toward one another. It's about not creating division in the body, but actually uh, having commonality, meaning the cross. The, the gospel is a, the good news of Jesus Christ is a gospel of reconciliation, reconciling us to the Father. That means we were darkness, now we are light. We were aliens, now we are sons and daughters. And the way that the family works is on the means of reconciliation, not just reconciling us to the Father, but reconciling us to one another. That's what the cross can do. This is what, it is not an option, it is a mandatory uh, declaration for a Christian. Now let's, let's now look at this though, that worship, listen to this, this, do you know that we were made to worship? You know that when, when we get excited about worship up here, that's not me getting excited about my little brother. Do you know that? So sick of hearing that. I'm not excited about my little brother as much as I'm excited about Jesus and, the, and, what, and what Philip does to lift Jesus up. All right, I, I'm not, Amber, we're all clapping for her, but ultimately if we're just excited about her, which Amber, bravo, yeah. yeah, but if we're just excited about Amber singing, that's not worship, worship is about Jesus and his goodness and his greatness and his everything, and we love to champion people that are putting our eyes towards him, imperfect as these people are, hello, yeah. right? Do you know that for me to preach, the, uh, the qualification is not my perfection? Did you know that? I hope you did. <laughs> That's not the word on the street. Um, listen, worship without reconciliation isn't worship. Worship 
without reconciliation doesn't even work. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, that's worship, and there remember that your brother has something against you, that's a need for second uh, reconciliation, leave your gift there. In other words, your worship is secondary in this case. Your worship is not primary in this case. The context for which God wants your worship to be received by him is the context of biblical unity and reconciliation. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, implication first, before you continue in your worship, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift or then continue your worship after reconciliation has happened, church. Did you, did you know this? Did you know this? When we, say, when we say things like, nothing's gonna stop me from presenting my gift in worship, I'm gifted, I'm called, I'm anointed, I'm gonna, I'm gonna worship, I'm pursuing that as my first thing. Ning, 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 ning. Horrible, atrocious theology. You are not made to do something for God. You're, you're made and saved to be someone that reflects his image in his kingdom. And if you're not reflecting his image in his kingdom, who cares how you're gifted? Well, we say things like, so here's a question. What if God is not actually receiving your gift because you refuse to reconcile? It's not worship. It's not worship. Do you know Levites in the Old Testament? Their job was to minister before God. Worship is, is we're blessing God too, and we're being blessed, but the, we're blessed because of the overflow of God being blessed, and he's good. We've got to read our Bibles. We've got to return to what the Bible actually says, not how our hearts feel. An unreconciled heart is not going to be in alignment with the kingdom of God. Do you know that Jesus hanging on the cross, being murdered by people that hated him, and all he's doing is dying for them? He's praying forgiveness for these people, guys. That's how the, that's how the church is supposed to work, exemplifying that and walking in that. And in the, in the family of God, in the kingdom of God, how our Father calls us to operate is, number one, be reconciled. Number two, present your gift in worship. Or how about Psalm chapter 34, verse 3? Listen to this. In the context of reconciliation, listen to this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Magnifying and exalting God as greater than everything, as better than everything. Didn't you love Bennett's song? This Jesus, you're better, you're better, you're better, you're better, you're better. You're better than all my pain. You're better than all my blessings. You are the goal. You are it. You are better. I exalt you. I lift you higher than everything. I magnify you. Now, this is magnification here biblically is not like a magnifying glass where you take an ant or you take a speck or you take something small and try to see it as big. It is something that is so big that you can't see, so you need a telescope. And then you look through the telescope and say, wow, Mars. Wow, I, I couldn't even see it with my naked eye. Wow, look at galaxies and solar systems. It's Way more beautiful than I realized. Come magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. 
Let me say this, church, that magnifying God and exalting God as greater, as better, as more beautiful than all, walking in that purpose for which we were created, the, the context for operating in your purpose is unity, is family, is togetherness. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. This is the, the body of Christ is not an individualistic crusade. For us to be able to magnify God however we feel like on our own. This is, we're in this together, guys. Magnify the Lord. In other words, let's see how great he is with each other. And let us, that's together. That's, it's not just me. Let us exalt his name. Listen, together. There's more, there's more unity and community in this verse than there is exaltation and man, uh, magnification. Do you see this? It says magnify once, exalt once. Let's say one plus one is two. But with me, let us, together. That's three. The context and the framework by which we magnify God and exalt his name is together, is let us, is with me, with me, let us, together. Do you see this? The Bible won't stop, won't let us up on this one. Even 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says this, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now stop there. God has made out of the human race a whole new people for himself. A royal, he's made a nation, a people, a people for his own possession, not being, not being individuals, but individuals making up a new family. And here's why. That you, the implication is together, that you, corporately, that you all, the new people, the new, the, the, the new priesthood, the, the new nation, may proclaim the excellent of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who cares if individuals are saying God is light if they don't even like their brothers? This is the implication, guys. This, there's so much that rests on biblical restoration. God saved us not to be individuals, but to be a people. And then that people would together proclaim Jesus is better than everything else. Everyone else, every, every sin is just a, a secondary love or false lie saying, I'll be better than Jesus. And that's how sin talks. You got to have ears for that. <laughs> oh, I'm so much better than Jesus. Oh, you sound better. Uh, Jesus is coming and saying, listen, I'll be, I'll satisfy you. I'll be your treasure. I'll be, just, just give me all you've got including your pain and your nastiness and your feelings. The church is supposed to biblically create a corporate sound. And the, the sound of it extends through the earth and to the heavens. And the, the strings that that sound is strummed on where the noise makes that that proclamation that it goes out on the strings is Jesus is our everything he's not just a note that we play as an individual he's a chord that the church strums so since we're in the book of Matthew chapter 5 let's go to Matthew chapter 18 because because this is a family passage and this is where Jesus literally tells us Hey guys, let me give you some tools for when you get hurt, here's how you operate. When you get hurt, it's not if you're going to. Jesus actually promised his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. Did you know that? 
You're going to. You're going to. It is biblical fact. You're going to. But here's how you operate when you do. So if your brother sins against you, hurts you, offends you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. (laughs) If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Wow, that's called restoration. And that is the goal. The goal is not to create an argument that, uh, that wins. The goal is the gaining of family. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. And in other words, if it gets to this place, we don't need to treat this person like a Christian. Okay? They totally don't get reconciliation. So listen to this. Reconciliation, I've already said this from Matthew 5, but now I'm going to say it from this different place. That reconciliation is the goal, not an option. Reconciliation is the goal, not an option. You have, the way I get this, you have gained your brother. This is family, guys. This is, if my, when my children are, are at odds together, not that they ever have been, but let's just say they, they were at one time or, or maybe in the future because we're family and we live together and we get on each other's nerves. For a while there, like, I was a, I'm firstborn, my wife's firstborn, my son's firstborn, three firstborn people in the same house duking it out. But guess what? Here we are together. And that's what family's supposed to look like. I just got way louder. Um, so, but you have gained your brother. Uh, the brother is not about friendship. Brother is about family. And that family is def- defined not by, if I feel like family, the family is defined by the gospel, that I actually spiritually am family because of the gospel. That's why reconciliation is a gospel issue. It's not a friendship issue. If you've been reconciled to the Father, there is nothing that should be able to keep you from reconciliation to brothers and sisters. You have been forgiven for way more than you'll ever have to forgive. Do do you want to be right or do you want to have a biblically-based relationship? This is the question. Who who is, to say it like like old school, who in fact is the Lord of your life? Your opinions are Jesus. My marriage would not stand if the goal was, who's right? Who's right about? If, if that's how I argued or that's how my wife argued, we would get absolutely nowhere if we're just trying to say who's right and who's right. Because there's this biblical thing called grace where grace goes beyond who's right and goes into the heart and sees a person for who they actually are and wants them and relationship with them more than needing to pridefully, arrogantly, and all kind of other leads be right. Jesus is right, and this is what he says. So there's this kingdom process for reconciliation. It's, 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 it's the, listen to this, the offended person goes to the one who offended them, okay? Here's what it looks like. Number one, the, there's, a, there's the offended person goes to the one who offended them, and here's what happens. There's a conversation between the two of them. Hey, can we talk? That, that last interaction we had when you told me that I run like a walrus, <laughs> I, I think you were joking, but joking or not, that kind of hurt. Because as a little kid, I was overweight, and you don't even know what you were saying to me. Can, can we talk about this? 
that, that last time, I, I don't want this to be my perception of you. Can, can the two of us talk? This is this family. And then number two, if the person, hopefully the person at that time will say, you know what? You're exactly right. I am so sorry. It's my, my humor gets in the way. I wasn't even thinking of how this would impact you. I'm so sorry. But when that doesn't happen and the person says, you're just being too sensitive. I wasn't doing anything. Sorry you feel like that, well, which is not an apology. Sorry you feel like that. Well, that's not saying you did anything wrong. It's just saying sorry basically that you have issues. You're so sensitive. So, so if, if it doesn't work, then you go to conversation number two, and conversation happens with a small group. And this is not a small group of people who share the same pain. This is a small group of, of uh, makers of peace, reconcilers, people who carry the Father's heart, that, that know how to do what the gospel does and carry it into action. So, so people that are actually, that actually carry the Father's heart, that actually want to see reconciliation, not just win an argument, then that small group goes to the person and says, listen, you told so-and-so that he runs like a walrus. And he came to you and told you that that hurt him and you just shrugged him off. This is, you need to hear this. That was wrong of you. And hopefully that person then will be, oh my word, how did I let it get to here? I am so sorry. But if the person is like, none of you know anything. All of you are deceived. You're, 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 it's just like, and not receiving this, not hearing this, not operating in the heart of the Father. Maybe that person has uh, massive pain themselves. Then conversation number three is you actually take this to the church and the whole church, listen, the whole church doesn't, doesn't shame and bash the person. The whole church contends for restoration. So this actually brings unity to the church and safety to the church. This is not the church taking sides and going against each other like a street fight. This is not a church like, 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 a, like a gang battle in an alley. This is not the church. This is not Gettysburg, guys, where brothers shoot brothers. This is the church contending for restoration and, and saying, why would we ever put up with anything less than what the cross has purchased? And if the person still doesn't get it, after that process that takes intentionality and time, then the Bible actually says, if all that has happened and the person still doesn't repent, refuses to re repent, and the, the way that I take this is the, don't treat the person like he knows Jesus. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In other words, a Gentile uh, is, is somebody outside of the new family that Peter says in 1 Peter 2. A tax collector is someone that's out for money and has a different goal in all of this. So you don't need to treat that person like they actually know Jesus. You know what you need to do? Just hurt for them and begin to pray for their heart. But you don't, you don't need to be offended and wounded like, like a family member would. You just need to be offended and wounded like a person who doesn't know Jesus would offend you. And that's what you're expecting, isn't it? But our tendency is to justify our position in slander and gossip instead of reconcile and go after Jesus. Do you know that Joseph, there's this guy in the Bible named Joseph. There's a couple guys named Joseph. I'm not talking about Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, who I would have loved to have met. How about it? <laughs> Wow. The Bible doesn't say much about him. The Bible says a whole lot about another Joseph that you find in the book of Genesis. And this Joseph, as about a 17-year-old, he, he was having dreams from the Holy Spirit. 
He's having all these dreams, and you know, those dreams that were actually from God made his family hate him. I don't know if Joseph was a a jerk that says, listen to what I dream. You're all bowing down to me and I'm better than, I don't think that's how we read it. That's how I was taught on flannel graphs in Sunday school. I I, I don't think that's, I think Joseph was just saying, yo, God dream, God encounter, here we go, there it is. And the people didn't like it. I think Joseph's a dreamer. And he's also a truth speaker saying, this is what I dreamt. Maybe I'm wrong. But for whatever the case, maybe it was in Joseph's, presentation, maybe it was just the content of Joseph's dreams that made people feel uneasy. What happens, to make a long story short, is Joseph is betrayed by his 11 brothers. He's thrown in a well, he's beaten up, he's lied about, he's sold, he's human trafficked, he's forgotten. He spends decades in a foreign land. And you wanna talk about somebody needing soul care. It's the person that's thrown in a ditch and has to hear his brothers up here arguing about, do we kill him or sell him? Uh, That would probably do something to the deep places of your heart. And then when you're dehumanized and actually decide, you know what? We're gonna lie about Joseph, which is going to break his dad's heart, which Joseph loved. And we're actually gonna, we're gonna traffic this young man. We're gonna sell him in a dehumanizing way. And then Joseph is is a... it's a slave in a man named Potiphar's house. And he's a good looking guy and Potiphar's wife comes after him and Joseph is still, he's not abandoning God, he's still standing for righteousness and then he gets lied about by Potiphar's wife because he scorned her and he gets thrown in jail. And then in jail he meets some people that get out of jail and Joseph says, hey, when you get out, remember me. I'm a dream interpreter. Oh, I'll never forget you, you've helped me. Well, they forget him for years. And see, this is, this is the place, like, it's actually down in the pain. It's down in the muck. It's down in the mire. It's, it's Joseph's kind of forced season of living with all of this challenge and all of this pain that Joseph actually has deep, deep, good God stuff happen in his soul, and he actually gains a good theology which is what I hope that we can have. Do you know what happens to Joseph? Do you know what happens in Joseph's heart in Genesis chapter 45, verses four through eight, says this, when Joseph is now, this is years later, Joseph looks like an Egyptian, and Joseph's brothers who sold him and trafficked him, lied about him, are now standing right, right before him in need. Wow, full circle here. And now Joseph has the power to meet their need And he goes through a whole process, but listen to what he actually says to his brothers when he can finally talk. In Genesis chapter 45, starting with verse four. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. He doesn't forget the pain years later. And now do not be distressed, distressed, or angry with yourselves. He doesn't, want the, he doesn't want them to be angry with what they've done because you sold me here. Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. He's stating a fact. You did this to me. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So the God that I serve is sovereign even over my pain and can work in the midst of your 
ill intent, he can work for his glory. Am I good? And look at verse six. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which uh, there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you. This is a mission trip, guys. You guys think that what you're doing is operating in your bad feelings and getting rid of someone who troubles you and hurts you. But what God is actually doing is he's preserving a people, a remnant on earth, and, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God has made me a father to Pharaoh. Do you have to be spiritually blind not to see forgiveness, not to see family, not to see the heart of the Father expressed here? I'm not going after revenge. I'm not speaking in, in uh, anger. I, I'm, I am seeing that God is bigger than all of this, and this is before the cross. And this is, he doesn't even have the cross, the suffering servant, the king of the world, dying for the sins of the world on the cross. He's just, he just has, uh, he's just a dreamer with God, and he knows this. This, this is actually the church that I see. The kind of church that lets things go and where people are forgiven like this, not slandered like this. Look at verse 14. This is, this is crazy. It says, then after this, he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. Wow conversations, tears, pain, healing, restoration. Is this not the kind of church that you wanna be a part of? Is this not the kind of family that you wanna have? Is this not the kind of man or woman or son or daughter or husband or father or wife or mother that you wanna be? See, the heroes at Providence, in my book, are the ones who are on fire with forgiveness, not bitterness. That's the hero of Providence. That's the kind of people I wanna celebrate here. That the heroes of Providence are not the ones who are most right, but the ones who are first to repent. Man, that is a hero of Providence. You're always first to repent. You're always going after reconciliation. I love that, I love that, I love that. That repentance is actually a sign of depth, not weakness. Where you're willing to say, hey, I think I'm right, but I love you more than my opinion. Matthew chapter five, verse five says this, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is not something that we talk about ever. You know what the word meek means? It means, it means this, it paints a picture. Meekness is someone who's good with a sword, but knows how to keep it sheathed. A sword made to slice things and cut things and you know, kill people. This person, a meek person, is no, someone who could swing the sword, but knows how to keep it in its holster. Amen, Jesus. That knows how to not have to use it. The, a, a meek person knows how to bless those who hate him. I've been reading through the Gospel of John just in my personal, not like, I'm not gonna say personal study because I, I'm studying, but I'm reading the Gospel of John just to smell Jesus, you know just to get around him. I, 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 I'm at the place now where, you know, I've learned a lot, lots of, lots of schooling and classes and things like that, but I'm at the place right now and I'm realizing those classes don't know anything unless Jesus has literally rubbed off on me and I've learned how to put my head on his shoulder and just like Jesus, what, what do you want to say to me? 
to, this is Jesus, and here's what I'm seeing is Jesus constantly. Jesus, who's never sinned and never did anything wrong, has more people angry at him than any person I have ever seen in my life. So just because you have people angry at you doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong, guys. It just means that you're more like Jesus than most. Sometimes, not every time. Yeah, that doesn't, listen, that doesn't work across the board, all right? <laughs> Sometimes you've done something wrong and somebody comes to you and you can't say, well, I'm like Jesus, I do nothing wrong and you just have issues. You know, so, someone comes to you and said, you hurt me, repent, all right? But the God, in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is constantly blessing people who are trying to kill him, constantly blessing people that are offended by him. And Jesus is just rolling out massive truth. And I, I think it's, it's what I, I get this picture of Jesus as I'm spending time with him as these people are coming at him. And I know that Jesus is angry and it's not a sin to be angry. It's, it's a sin to sin in our anger. I know that Jesus is angry, but it's almost like when Jesus responds to these accusations, I, I see him in my mind smiling smiling. Hey guys, I know I told you to drop your rock and you don't like that, but it's what's best for you, my friends. Smiling. So I tried this with a dog. I was on a walk because I do these 15 mile walks in, in a half an hour. <laughs> Philippine doesn't get how, how I, I biblically transport. All right. He does not get that. Right? It's, it's in the Bible. Uh, so no, but I, I do these 45 minute walks, still don't know how far I go. I don't even care, I'm just walking with Jesus. And this little yippy dog comes out from somebody's house and just is basically, get off my lawn, I hate your guts, I hate your mom. You know, all of these things. And dog language, man, give me one, give me one bite at you, you know? And I don't, it would be so satisfying just to take the dog and just go, wah! You know, just, but I, I didn't do that. You know what I did? At this dog, I literally stopped and gave the dog a big Jesus smile. I smiled, and the owner is right there, and there's another guy walking his pooping dog down this way. All right, I'm serious. His dog's pooping over here. He's watching this dog, and the, the owner has, sees the dog talk. I just stop, and I smile at this dog, and the dog got scared and ran away. <laughs> oh, hey, this is how the kingdom works. You, 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 you kill it with kindness, not a kick in the face. You just, you, you, let the, you let the love of Jesus blast somebody from a different world. And this is how you do it. Do we not believe what Moses said? The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. What you need to do is be quiet. So Moses said. Can I talk about one last thing? Because this has been heavy, has it not? But sometimes this is just what pastors have to do. You know, like, I don't, I don't care about how big Providence is. I care about how healthy Providence is. You know, I, I, I seriously, like, I, I, would, I would rather have a smaller church that has hearts aflame than a bigger church that's, 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 that's causing chaos. But one of the things that I'm hearing is that Providence is going in a new direction. And as the person who stewards the direction of the church, that surprised me. <laughs> that surprised me right here. I, surprised me so much that I have no clue what that means except that I don't want to build a machine. I want to build a family. And if that is too much for us, <laughs> listen, let's talk. But I have not changed any theology. I have not changed any core value. I have not changed any vision. I have not changed any mission. I'm still going after Jesus the way that I always have. 
And I've always gone after Jesus by laying on my face, spreading my arms out like the cross and saying, X marks this spot. It is here. Here's the target, my heart. Here's the target, this region. Here's the target, my neighbors. Send the, send fire. Send the gospel. Change this region. That's, that's been the only cry of my heart. And so if you're concerned about the direction of providence, I want to toss something biblical out at you. Before you leave, let's talk. This is how crazy it's getting, guys. But let's have a talk. I, I will, you will not stand before God for the direction of providence, I will. And if you have a greater concern about the direction of providence than I do, maybe we need to talk. Hello? I don't know. I don't know. I always feel awkward after I spank my kids. That's exactly how I feel right now. <laughs> I just feel like, hey, can we hug, right? Can we just, can we hug? Can we hug? You guys know that my son, Ethan, next time I try to spank him, you know he's going to turn and put one on me, you know? And so you may do that. But I, I hope that you see my heart, and I hope that you honor me enough to hear that, guys, like, I, I never wanted to start a perfect church. In fact, one of our core values is imperfect people are welcome, and I'm the first one to be imperfect in front of you. I've never once uh, promised that I would lead Providence with perfection, just with all of my heart. That's the kind of pastor you're stuck with. I'm sorry. But I'm also a pastor you can talk to. All right. So here, here's, what, uh, here's what I wonder. I don't know exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do right now, but I do know that if you leave this place <laughs> and you have something against somebody in, in this tent or on this property and you walk away from them today, I'm very concerned for the condition of your soul. Listen, as the pastor, as your pastor, I'm concerned that you would walk away from somebody with no Matthew 18 conversation. And so I just wonder if, if the, the sound that we're strumming, before it's a beautiful sound, it needs to be a broken sound of crying and repentance and sorries and hugging and snot running. I think this is one of those days the corona will not be found in our snot. All right, throw a mask on. or Seriously, I, I, I would rather have corona but have peace in my heart towards my brothers and sisters. So guys, I think that what we need to need to do is get very desperate and just have Victor play some and I just want to blur the ending I don't want to I don't want to pray I don't want to tell you to go home I want you to pray and say father when do you want me to leave who do you want me to talk to so God bless people like that in this place let today well, I'm praying I said I wasn't here I go <laughs> bless people with the father's heart that they would long to be restored to brothers and sisters, that people in this, in the sound of my voice right now, would find the grace not to carry somebody else's offense for them, that'll crush you, but to actually have a conversation, Jesus, like you invite us into. So we bless you, God. We bless you, God. We just wanna lift you high. We wanna magnify your name. We wanna exalt you together. We just pray for a hedge of protection that the enemy would be so unsuccessful in robbing our together. We bless you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let the wind blow. Amen. Amen. Guys, I'm just giving you space. You take it. All right.
Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.